0: When TPT Forward 2024 was announced... And they said that there would not be a virtual version of the conference for this year. I know there were many teacher sellers that were bummed out because they may not be able to make it to San Diego for one reason or another. But I think this is a blessing in disguise because there is a completely virtual conference that did so fantastic last year. It was easily one of my favorite conferences and that is the Teacher's Seller Summit. The great thing about this is that it also takes place in the summer. This is from June 27th through the 30th. And if, of course, it's all online. You have not only pre-recorded sessions, but you also get live events. So what I wanted to share with you about right now is information about this Teacher Seller Summit and how you can level up your business from the comfort of your own home. There are sessions about perfecting your product listings, creating print-on-demand workbooks, opening up your own shop, and diversifying your income streams. But not only that, you can also connect with successful teacherpreneurs and industry experts to take your TPT or teacher business to the next level. Here's what's in store. You have in-depth sessions about mastering key business skills, both on and off TPT with insights from experienced speakers, a variety of networking opportunities where you can connect with business owners worldwide, swap ideas and learn from each other's successes, practical tips and strategies with actionable techniques to succeed, whether you're just starting out or you're aiming higher. And additionally, there are live Q&A panels, a private podcast for on-the-go learning, and so much more. I'm presenting at this conference, and my session is about three keys to a successful TPT store brand. So you may be wondering, what does this cost? What's the investment on this? And there are early bird tickets available through April 30th for $99, and you can save nearly 25% by just purchasing in the month of April. But if you're listening to this and it is past April, but not yet June. So May and June, if you're listening to this. You can still purchase tickets to this conference for 129. You will get a 90-day pass to all 40 sessions, live Q&A panel discussions, virtual hangouts, co-working spaces, private podcast If this sounds like something you're really interested in, you can check out my affiliate link in the description where you're listening to this episode. I hope I can see you there. Now let's dive into this week's episode. You're listening to the Creative Teacher Podcast, a show for busy teachers looking for ways to engage, inspire, and make an impact in their teacher businesses. I'm Kirsten a teacher business owner who is all about simple and actionable tips strategies and resources that result in wins big or small if you're looking for that extra spark of creativity you've come to the right place let's dive in together Hello and welcome to another episode of the Creative Teacher Podcast. Today you are in for a treat because we have Melanie Battistelli from Duxbury Digital here on the podcast and she's going to be talking about how you can host a live workshop to promote a bundle that you have for TPT. We're going to talk a little bit about how you can decide on which bundle to select, what are some good ways to know if it's a good bundle to sell after the live workshop, and just some steps to getting started. If you are looking to host a live workshop and maybe just some signs to know if live workshops might work for you and some tips so that you can navigate going live in general. So there's a lot of really great jam-packed tips in here just to help you. Before I ramble on, I should tell you a little bit about Melanie. She is the brains behind Duxbury Digital. She helps TPT sellers and teacher business owners and just a variety of entrepreneurs with launch strategy. She also does OBM work for clients. So she has a wealth of knowledge on launching a membership or a course. So I think this is going to be a really valuable episode that I know you will love. If you're listening to this episode in real time, Melanie does have a birthday sale happening soon, later this week. So if you're interested in getting some of her services or programs at a special birthday discount, make sure to check the link in the show notes. All right, without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into the interview. All right, today I'm really excited because we have Melanie here on the podcast as a guest, so welcome to the show. Thank you. It is so nice to be here and finally get to talk to you. Yes, I'm excited you're here. So, tell us about yourself, if for those who may not know you and your business. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So, I am an ex-teacher myself. I also taught social studies for 12 years although i was at the high school level so i taught mainly high school us history and geography
0: oh, that's and so then
1: yeah yeah it was it was awesome uh and then when covid happened right as as mm-hmm. it did uh i started to think about and i was pregnant at the time with our second daughter and i started to think about like how can i you know learn to Stay at home more. I was, you know, nervous about going back with a newborn, you know, all the things that people yeah. were feeling
0: mm-hmm. that
1: had those COVID babies.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I can relate.
1: So I, yes, yes, all of the COVID baby feelings. So I started a virtual assistant business and then sort of just by the first couple clients that I had, very quickly niche down or started to specialize in launch management in online business management. And I've been pretty specialized in that now since, gosh, 2021. So coming Mm -hmm. up on, what is that, like over two years, I've really been focused on crazy, right? That's awesome. management. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. It's been fun. It's been a wild ride. Yes. That's great to hear. And it sounds like you've you know it's it's always good to hear those stories of like how whatever event whether it's having a kid or covid or just you know feeling burnt out as a teacher and just the way we can just kind of pivot into something lean into something else and it always ends up benefiting everybody involved so yeah definitely if
1: i mean it can it can all work out it's a lot of work i mean being an entrepreneur is a lot different than being a teacher it's a lot less stable i guess you could say it feels yeah. less stable i don't Pretty know if do you feel that way it yeah. just feels like it
0: could all collapse at any time right exactly No, it hasn't it hasn't yet that's what kind of makes it a little fun i don't know if you're one of those people who like to walk on the wild side i guess it's,
1: oh yeah no i'm <laughs> usually i'm usually not so much so that i actually did part time teaching for a whole year like while okay. i was trying to make my decision <laughs> yeah there you go yeah so i really took my time my principles awesome uh, was, all, I mean, he's still awesome, but he was awesome when I worked there and let me sort of like think
0: about it, so to speak, for a year. Yeah, that's good that you have that. that option to do that. Mm-hmm. Today, we're going to be talking about um, live workshops to sell TPT bundles, which I think will be a really fun topic because I know most TPT sellers out there that are listening likely have some type of bundle or um, flagship resource that might be a little pricier than your average $3 resource or $5 resource. And so I really love the concept of having some type of hosted workshop or live event to kind of lead people into be more likely or inclined to purchase those big bundles. So can you talk a little bit about how this strategy would work? What are the main things to know about doing this strategy?
1: yeah. so there are a lot of places we could kind of start. But the first thing I think to think about is to kind of hone in on which bundle higher priced resource. I know some people have like year-long curriculum. That could be a good fit for this sort of strategy as well. you You can attack it like three ways, I would say, looking at if there is a resource that you have that already sells well, like it's converting you know, good, and you just want to sell more of it, right? So you could kind of lean into one of your best sellers and promote that. You could look at a resource that maybe is also converting well, but it's not your best seller. Like, it's not getting as many views. I know the algorithm, like two of my clients, um, two of my OBM retainer clients are multi-six-figure TPT sellers. So I know that the algorithm threw them for a loop as it did for a lot of more established sellers the last couple of years. yeah, so you could also look at a resource that's maybe not getting as many views but converts well, like the people who are finding it are like, "Wow, this is amazing! I'm totally buying this, and you use it for like a visibility strategy, mm-hmm. or if you are thinking of coming up with like a growing bundle or launching something you know, newer, that doesn't have a lot of reviews, or maybe you're working on a growing bundle for the 2024, you know, 2025 school year, you could use it as kind of like a launch to get people excited about the growing bundle and buying it right away. So there's multiple different ways, I would say, to use this strategy. The first thing I think to kind of do is select which sort of avenue do you want to go down? And I mean, only you can really answer that for yourself.
0: Yeah. That's a great kind of thing to start with. Is, and of course, you don't want to just like throw all the bundles at my, you know, you want to really hyper focus, I'm assuming, on just like one main thing to kind of lead into with those types of uh, launches for the live or live workshops or free trainings Mm -hmm. that you offer. Yeah,
1: I would just pick one to start with because when you start to get multiple variables in there, it's hard to decide like what's, Working, what's not working? If it didn't work, it's hard to like know, you know, why. So I would pick like either one, you know, bundle curriculum, something higher priced, and just kind of focus on one to start with.
0: Okay. That sounds pretty easy enough. And I'm sure like there are some listeners who are like, I know exactly that bundle that there, you know, it stands out to you. So that's always good to kind of brainstorm that. And then from there, if we are trying to, like, what are the steps as far as the, uh, if we're, you know, maybe thinking about a free, like, do we have a lead magnet or some type of Zoom meeting? How can we kind of showcase this free workshop or training? What are some topics we can, what do we need to think about if we want to relate it back to that ultimate big bundle or growing bundle or whatever it might be?
1: Sure. Yeah. So the first thing that you want to think about is what problem is your bundle resource, you know, whatever you've picked, what problem is it solving? And then how can you lean into what problem it's solving and teach other teachers a little bit more about how to use that so that your resource is really complementing their instruction. Um I mean I know like a lot of people you're probably including like teachers guides answer keys like a little bit but it's really going to be like that hands-on instruction and other suggestions that you can deliver in the live you know workshop or training that can help to sort of make or break people saying like oh I can see how to use this mm-hmm. and now like I also want it so mm-hmm. that's what I would start to think about like what is the major question or problem that this resource solves and then since it is probably a larger resource of yours you might already have a lead magnet that attracts people to that larger resource Mm -hmm. Um, but if if you don't you can also create one however the the free training could be the lead magnet like in itself and what you could do yeah and what you could do is break off like a little sample if you will of your larger product. And, you know, your messaging could be like, sign up for this free training, you're going to get January, for example, of my math centers, and I'm really going to show you how to implement that in your classroom to get the desired result, you know, that you hope for as a teacher.
0: Oh, love that idea how you can, it's, I mean, really similar to what we would might do on TPT if we have it in a preview, like, Mm -hmm. Some people like to add, like, you know, download the first week or first month of whatever the bundle might be. So that's a really great way to kind of entice people to go to the training because they're like not only getting those relevant standards or relevant resources to the time of year, you're also getting a uh, like a supplementary training that goes with it to kind of help them best, you know, best practices for implementing whatever it might be. Yeah. I'm also thinking, like, I'm sure we can get pretty scrappy with this. It doesn't have to be on some big webinar platform or anything like that. Like, where are some places you could host these types of trainings?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. So you really only need to host a live workshop. You really only need an email provider, which most TPT sellers have, right? Mm -hmm. And Zoom, Although if you have the paid Zoom, it does usually cap it at yeah. 100 people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if you don't have a huge audience, that's no big deal. But if you do have a bigger audience, you could look into something more like Demio or Easy Webinar, where you can still communicate back and forth with people. And you can just pay for it basically for a month or two. And yeah. I mean... I, sorry, Easy Webinar and Demio, but you could just you know pay for it for a month or two where you're setting up and launching, and then cancel it or put it. I think Easy Webinar actually lets you put it on pause. Oh, okay, um, and then you don't like lose all of the the stuff you know that you've built. There's also something called Streamyard that that basically streams through an unlisted YouTube channel, mm-hmm. and that has unlimited attendees. And that's very cheap. That's like something like $20 a month. There are ways to do this for very, very low cost. Or you could run if you felt like it and you did have a bigger audience and you have the paid Zoom, you could create a little bit of urgency by being like there's only 99 spots, but maybe you do two or three trainings. But like once it's Mm. full, it's full. Yeah. So to speak. Once the registrations are full, you know, you don't accept anymore. But Zoom webinar itself is pretty expensive to upgrade to. Yeah, I would maybe look at another sort of route. But yeah, you can deliver it simply with something like that and an email provider. As far as a sales page or an opt-in page to get people to the free training, I mean, if you have a WordPress site, you can build it in there. You can build a quick sales page in Canva, honestly. Um, You can if you've convert kit or Flowdesk, actually also you can build a, s- a longer sort of lead magnet opt-in page and just have it embedded right there as well.
0: Yeah, there's, yeah. there's a lot of good options with that.
1: And then <laughs> so adding many.
0: on top of that, I happen to have a Facebook group for my social studies niche mm. and a training that I plan on doing later in this month as we're recording this is like a, I was going to host it. Usually I do it on Zoom, but for this particular workshop, I was going to host it in the Facebook group and just go live in there. And I, you know, connecting, it's pretty easy once Mm -hmm. you find what you're looking for to connect it with Zoom and then you can share your screen and
1: go back. Absolutely.
0: So yeah, if you have a free
1: Facebook group and, you know, a lot of TPT people do have a free Facebook, you can absolutely host it right in there. It's easy and also free. Yeah. (laughs) It's always a bonus.
0: Always the best. Yeah. So what are some ways to know if this strategy is something that might be right for somebody listening? um, And they're like kind of on the fence, like they have a really good bundle that converts really well or just needs a lot of views, but they're not quite sure whether or not the live workshop component is the way to go. What are some ways to know if this is the right path for those listeners?
1: Yeah. And something I feel like that I have dealt with in the past working with some of my launch management clients is people like get nervous to go live and teach to their peers, which I get it. Like I get yeah. it. It's it's nerve wracking. So if you're really, really, really unwilling to go live, it's probably not the best strategy for you. However, I mean, you can of course pre-record it and you can make it like a free on-demand training where people opt in and then you send out like the replay, so to speak, like a pre-recorded video of you going through the information and sharing all of like the knowledge and how this is going to solve their problem and so on and so forth. But I will say that live trainings do convert Significantly better than pre-recorded. It just, I, I, you know, I wish it wasn't so <laughs> because, yeah. I would if much I had rather it my way.
0: I yes. would just do all the pre-recorded stuff all the time, and yeah, of course. yes.
1: Um, but never have I ever in the probably now thirty to forty launches I've managed between my retainer clients and launch management clients, like live always does better, like exponentially better. So if you can just get yourself over the hump, so to speak, for the first one, it honestly becomes so much easier to do because yeah, you know, like people just want to learn. And yeah, they're there for the free thing, but they wouldn't have signed up if they didn't want to hear what you had to say. So a lot of it is sort of mindset speak about yourself and just knowing that like you do have a valuable resource, you did create it. You know what you're talking about because you do. Mm-hmm. Nobody can explain it better than you can. So once you get that first one under your belt, it really does become a lot easier. But that is what stops I feel like most people from doing a live training is that they like just don't want to do it. Like go live. Like they want to, but they don't actually like really feel like they're able to.
0: Yeah. Those are some great tips, though, for managing that. I've done live trainings in the last four years and or throughout mm-hmm. the last four years, and even before, <laughs> and it still gives me the nerves. Like right before, like it's. I also had this these same feelings when I was doing open, you know, when meet the teacher night, and the parents are all coming in your classroom. I guess you didn't have to do this for high school, but they all like would come in the room, and you'd have to like tell them about what you do, and all you know it just it's, it's talking in front of adults, even if it's online, it's it's a lot to overcome. But once you kind of start, you, I don't know, there's this flow that comes in. I'm, and it also varies from person to person. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: I, I think I would also say, like, just try it. Take messy action. And if it sucks and you hate it, then, like, never do it again. It's your okay. business. You're in charge of your life. Like, you don't ever have to do it again. But, like, what if you try it and it's awesome and Mm. you sell a bunch of bundles and you make a lot of money and (laughs) grow your audience? I mean, what's the worst, I guess, that could happen?
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. And I feel like a lot of people are very understanding, you know, when you have these little flubs or you might make a mistake or there's a typo. I feel like most of the time, a lot of people are understanding and they're like, this is live and we're not expecting something super polished. So, you know, That's something to also think about too. I think bottom line is if you have a bundle
1: or a higher priced resource and an audience and you're willing to try it, like ultimately the strategy could be for you Mm -hmm. in a nutshell.
0: Yeah, that's good to know. Yeah. As far as let's say we are like, okay, we're going to give this a shot and you have it set up and everything. You host live training and it is a hit. Or maybe it's not a hit. Maybe you're just like, it it goes okay. Or it goes like, it's a total flop. You know, it could go. There's three different ways it could go. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) And that's that's okay. But what are some metrics we need to track to know if what we did was working?
1: I talk about this a lot on Instagram and also on my blog. There's a lot of different metrics to look at when you're looking at a live training. If I had to pick... The three, I guess, obvious ones, or maybe not so obvious, I shouldn't say that. But if I had to pick three, mm-hmm. <laughs> I would say you should definitely look at the amount of people that opted in. So how many people actually signed up for your training versus how many people viewed the registration page. And if you're looking at this in something like ConvertKit or Flowdesk, it's really easy to see. Like if you built your opt-in page in ConvertKit or Flowdesk that you can see the, you know, the views and the opt-ins just like you could with any freebie. Mm -hmm. I would take it a step farther. And let's say that you're registering people for, I would usually recommend five to 10 days, like inviting people to the event. You want to take it a step farther and be really extra (laughs) and look at this and note it every single day. And here's why. Because when you're looking at the number of views and opt-ins you get every day, you can directly correlate it to what's working elsewhere in your business. Like maybe you posted a reel on Tuesday mm-hmm. and you got 12 opt-ins versus you didn't talk about it at all on Wednesday and you got one opt-in from somebody who you know saw your reel from yesterday. Or you get 50 opt-ins on the same day you sent an email. Those are little like boosts mm-hmm. also to let you know that like your marketing efforts are paying off because it's really easy to look back at the end of it and be like, well, I had 200 people opt in overall. Right. Okay. But like, what days? What did you do? Like, it might feel like a flop, or you can look and see every day that you talked about on about your free workshop, one stories, you had twice as many opt ins as when you didn't. Mm-hmm. So that's an extra encouragement to keep talking about it on stories. Like if it's working, you can now see that it's working because you've noted what you did each and every day.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's a perfect segue to the launch library that you currently have. And I'm thinking about how how laid out it is. It's like something that is super helpful as far as you've got the tab for all the emails you send and what time you send it and click through rates and all of that. And you can also correlate it Mm -hmm. to that tab with all the social media and you can add in what you might have put in certain days and you can be like, okay, wow, this is like a huge amount of opt-ins. A lot of people clicked on this. You could probably correlate it to the copy or you could probably correlate it to what you might have posted on that specific day. So that's something I really like about your launch library. Um, is that you basically everything you mentioned? All of th- those different metrics—it's all laid out there for you in a nice, neat package. If that makes any sense, so yeah, you grab that. Did something like yes, Earth. I did, yeah. and I yeah. used it. For <laughs> my Yeah, my um, I had five days of social studies surprises. I was able to use a lot of the different because there's like a lot of different things you can put in there. And so I really loved having it all together. And now looking back for next year, I can kind of see what I can reuse, what I probably shouldn't do. So kudos. Right. On. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you. Yeah. And that's like and the launch library has that extra bit for the for the live component, mm-hmm. which it sounds like you didn't need right now, but someday yeah. you could. I could. Um. Yeah. So for, for the live besides opt-ins, and then I would also look at the show up rate, which means the number of people you had registered versus the number of people that actually came live. Because what you'll see is the more often you start to do live trainings, like the higher amount of people you can actually get to come live, like live conversions, meaning people who buy, like who attended the webinar can be upwards of 20, 30, 40 percent. So if you can get 40% of the people who show up to buy, you want as many people in that room, right, as you can get. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, honestly, though, it all it becomes launching is really it's just a numbers game. I mean, it's a numbers game spiked with marketing and, you know, good copy. And are you actually answering a need and all that good stuff? But it's really a numbers game. So the show up rate's important. And then the last one, of course, would be the actual like number of sales, Versus the amount of people in your entire audience. Mm-hmm. So that number usually is a little bit lower than, like, to be good. It's lower generally than what people are hoping. Yeah. Um, like, if your audience is only 100 people, I'm just using this because we both, you know, taught history, but <laughs> if your audience is 100 people, your email list is 100 people, and you launch a new offer or product, and only three people buy, you're thinking like, oh, only three people out of 100 bought. That's actually like great. And it's like industry standard. So you should actually be happy about that. Yeah. yeah. And then your next goal should be just trying to get more, you know, people in your audience, more eyes on your offer, because the more eyes you have, the more likely people are to eventually buy.
0: Yeah, that's a really, really great thing to think about is that I feel like we are expecting like tons and tons of people, like, like that's, you know, a hundred people, like everybody could buy it possibly. But, um, it's, it's interesting to note that it's really, really low amount conversion wise. And so if you only have a hundred, I feel like the next best step is to try to grow your audience as Mm -hmm. much as possible. That would be like one of the troubleshooting, like, okay, this is what I do next time. I'm going to make sure I have A lot more people on my list, so that you know, maybe if it's, I shouldn't even try to think about math stuff, but um, they, yeah, yeah, hard. Thousand (laughs) people, then three percent is thirty, right? Thirty, yes, thirty. Okay, yeah, we got it. Yeah, so that's thirty people buying my bundle instead of three people.
1: So. Right, and I mean some convert like some industries have a bit higher conversion, and you know you know your audience best. You can see like in your TPT store the little drop down over all of your conversions. You could also kind of use that Mm -hmm. as a benchmark. And there's other ways to increase conversions too. Like if you have ConvertKit as your email provider, for example, you can tag people. You can do this in other places besides ConvertKit, but you can tag people that click the sales page, follow up with them individually, keep a list of your leads. If you get questions from different people in Instagram, follow up, you know, with them, ask people why they were on the fence. We actually, I just did a, we just did a finishing up a launch yesterday with a client and, you know, it didn't go as planned. It really, it really didn't. And it went okay. Sometimes that happens. Uh, We sold about 200 bundles, but it was a collaboration. And, you know, we were hoping for more like the thousand range. Mm So it really didn't go as we hoped it did. And we sent out a survey this morning. Basically, it's one question. Pick the number one reason you didn't purchase this time. So we're going to take a look at that probably tomorrow or the next day and just kind of see what people are saying. So also don't be afraid to like, admit defeat, so to speak, and mm-hmm. just be like, this didn't work out. So why, you know, did you choose not to, not to join or not to buy at this time? Cause that can help.
0: Yeah. That's good Intel, just like following up with your audience. And and I feel like even if you do have a small list, even before the buy and people are like asking questions about it or clicking on it, the smaller the audience, the more you're able to kind of connect. A little bit more one-on-one with them mm-hmm. um, that's always that's always helpful is like the those touch points like just kind of to increase the conversion a little bit I agree okay so I've got a few bonus questions just to switch things up a little bit the first question I have since you're a history or a former history teacher once a history person always a history person so if you could travel to any era for just one day where would you go and what would you do?
1: I would hands down go to the 1920s and just, you know, just see what's going on in the 1920s. Because, happening in there? <laughs> and it's, I mean, it's just such an interesting era where so much is changing and so much new technology, like the car, the refrigerator, like more and more people are getting consumer goods. The first credit cards, so to speak, were available making Mm. really irresponsible decisions. Like, I would like to hang out there for a day or so.
0: (laughs) Yeah, get those flapper outfits and... I sure would. (laughs) That sounds like fun. Okay, second question. In the battle of iconic comfort foods, do you pledge Mm. allegiance to the versatile slices of pizza or handheld delight of tacos? That's tough. I would pick a taco.
1: Tacos. Overall. I would. Cuz you can switch, well, you can switch a lot of stuff out with pizza, but one of my favorite drinks is a margarita, which mm-hmm. pairs better with a taco it, than pizza.
0: Yeah. Definitely agree. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of like our thing down in Texas is all these tacos everywhere on every corner. And that's what I love yeah. about it. So
1: Are you all originally right.
0: from Texas? Yeah, my family is all Texas, like nice. Generations of people from Texas, so yeah, right, I dig it. Yeah. All right, last question pen and paper or digital device? Which one do you, do you prefer? Oh man, I was just
1: talking with some people about that the other day. I like prefer pen and paper. However, I still use like Asana as my own personal project management tool, but then I still have. Have you ever heard of um Hustle Sanely, Jess Massey? I've heard of it, yes. Um, so okay. I have like the to-do list of the day, her daily notepad, which I really like. Mm-hmm. It feels sometimes like I'm doing double work, but like ex-teacher, I have, you know, all my flare pens, all that right. good stuff. So yeah. I I feel like it's a 50-50 split. I guess if I had to absolutely pick, I would probably go digital in this online space, but I have yet to actually give up paper planning.
0: Yeah. I'm kind of the same way. I've got my full focus planner with all my like top three things to do and all of that. And then I've have click up with everything my life in there so yeah both (laughs) tell me what to do for the day for work so (laughs) exactly all right well this has been a wonderful interview i'm super excited for my listeners to be able to hear this really great strategy to help sell and um boost sales for bundles so where are some ways we can learn from you and work with you come find me over on
1: Instagram. That's mostly where I hang out, at Duxbury Digital. And then we can, I don't know if I sent you this, but we can pop in the link for the launch library if anyone's interested in the show notes. And I've got all sorts of blog resources and everything on my website all about launching to help you out.
0: Perfect. Well, I really appreciate you being here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Creative Teacher Podcast. If you enjoyed listening to today's episode, feel free to subscribe and leave a review. I'd love to hear your feedback. You can also follow me on Instagram at thesouthernteach.designs. Have an amazing day. Are you looking for a way to grow your business without working too much harder than you already are? Do you want to optimize your limited time and see a real impact on your business efforts? Well, I've got great news for you because your data playbook can help you achieve all of these goals and then some. As a teacher, you know that the education market is super competitive and in order to succeed you would have to stand out from the crowd and deliver results that really matter to your customers. But without the right tools, it can be kind of hard to know if what you're doing is truly paying off. And that's where your data playbook comes in. The membership is designed to help teacher sellers like you leverage the power of data driven strategies. You can unlock valuable insights about your customers, your products, and your sales performance. This membership is packed with access to analytics tools and resources, personalized coaching sessions, and a community of like-minded teacher sellers who are also eager to share their insights and experiences. I totally believe that your Data Playbook can help you take your teacher seller business to the next level, but don't take my word for it. Check out the website to see what other teacher sellers are saying. I'd appreciate it so much if this is something you're considering to check out my affiliate link in the description. There are different membership tiers. So if this is something you're considering, you should definitely check it out. It's your data playbook and I hope you can join.